Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, so today we are going to talk about marriage. And those of you that are not married yet, we're actually going to talk about first who to decide to marry. And it's a huge decision. (laughs) probably the biggest decision you will ever make outside of following Jesus. So we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about how we make decisions together in marriage. So hang on tight. It's going to be awesome. Let's go. This is Made for This Podcast. Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting Made for This. Give your dad the most meaningful gift this year. Get started right away without the need for shipping. Go to storyworth.com slash made for this to get $10 off your first purchase. And now here's Jenny. Okay. My husband is smiling really big because his big idea to start this podcast today, since it's our anniversary, is to talk about how we met and fell in love. (laughs) We were children, y'all. We were children. We met at summer camp and we started throwing the football together. And you actually can throw the football quite well. I know. That was really impressive. And you knew you could. I know. And so that was your flirting. <laughs> I mean, it's a skill. I don't know what to say. I mean, girls just learn to throw a football because then you have something to do with the boy. And he was a quarterback. So for him to say that, it's a big deal. Y'all, I was the powder puff quarterback in my high school. Yes, I was. So I do have skills. It's true. So we were throwing the football, talking, catching up when we should have been taking care of kids at camp, but we were flirting with each other. You have. Oh, yeah. You were like maintenance crew or something. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, but we both probably had something we should have been doing and we were flirting and talking. And then we go on a date from there and we really fell head over heels. Now, we were long distance, which we don't recommend, but you can't always help. And we made it work. I mean, we were... We were long distance for a few years, but I think because of that, we wanted to go ahead and get married. We were crazy in love. Now, I'm going to say something here. I love saying controversial things because it's all I hear from you guys. Only when I say something controversial do you reach out. So I like to drop it in every once in a while, like Bridgerton, that y'all y'all went crazy on that comment. So here's one you're going to go crazy on. There is a verse in the Bible that says, do not burn with passion, like get married. What is the verse? Zach, help me out. He's going to look it up. Well, we were those people in college. Now, we did not have sex before we got married. And if you're a believer and that is your commitment, which it should be as a believer, then people sometimes are going to get married younger than you think they should. And I'm just going to say, I do not think it was wrong for us. Now, we grew up together. And I think both of our parents who are godly supported the decision too. Because of that, we got married in college. Zach had two years left. I had one year left. And we were just madly in love. And there wasn't a real reason other than finances, which we did on our own. People did not, other than my grandmother finishing to pay for my college, we did not get help from my parents, except they would always stick like $20 bills in in our hands as we would walk off. And my mom would like send me my shampoo that I love. That kind of thing. So you're saying 
it was not because you were burning with passion that that's why you needed to marry me in college? Oh, it was. was. Okay, that's the only reason. Well, there's a verse to that. 1 Corinthians 7, 9. This is what you memorized, probably. (laughs) Obviously not well enough. (laughs) But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should (laughs) marry. Sounds worse. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay, well, that was totally us. We were totally burning with passion. We were long distance. We were running up, you know, $500 phone bills a month. Our, Our expenses were less married than it was um, far apart, but but we both love Jesus. And so what I want you to hear is before we got married, and I posted this on Instagram one time and it, it went crazy because I think this is something that we don't talk enough about. Before we got married, I was not sure. I think you were sure. You were sure you wanted to marry me. I still had some doubts. I'm simple-minded. You're complicated. It's the truth. Yeah. So I, I was having doubts and he was about to propose and I knew it and I was just terrified. And I know some of you are listening thinking, it's because you were only 20 years old. And that's that might be true. But it also was was a decision, which I think everybody feels, which is how do I really know that I can say yes to this person for the rest of my life? And I don't think more years and getting older always answers that. I certainly wouldn't encourage you to get married young. But if God leads you to that and you have your spouse um, and you know this is the right person, I don't think it's wrong to get married young. I don't. If our kids came to us and said the same thing, we would have a lot of questions for them. We would want to make sure they were ready. But the age is not the issue. The issue is, is this the right person? And I wasn't sure. And so what I did was I actually made a list, (laughs) not a pro and con list, but more of a biblical list of what does it say? I should be looking for. What is a spouse? And I really just looked at what does a good, godly Christian man do? Who is he? What does he live for? And I I did. I made a physical list. Everybody's going to want to see the list, but I don't have the list anymore, team. I'm sorry. Maybe in some journal. I should look back. It just had checks all under my name, right? Every category. (laughs) did, baby. That's the thing. Okay. So character-wise, this man, it was sure to me. Like, I didn't hear a voice from the sky to say, marry Zach Allen, but he was a faithful good man. I remember a mentor that I respected said to me, that man is like a 35-year-old in a 20-year-old body. And it was true because he just was a faithful, good man, even at 20. And so I do think looking at the qualities of what you're looking for and what you won't settle for. Now on that list, biblically, it was not attraction. Now we were burning with passion. Is that was that not why you were doubting? Now, no. why, why did you doubt if I checked all the boxes? Because it was for ever. And I definitely had fear about that. And so at some point I made a commitment and I said, this is who I'm going to marry and I'm not going to go back anymore. And I really prayed about it and I really sought counsel and everyone that knew him, everyone that knew him had a peace that he was going to be a faithful, good man. My community supported it. My parents did, even though we were young. And, and so there was not a red or yellow flag anywhere. And and what the only question I had was just commitment. Can I really say yes to somebody for the rest of my life? It felt so long. And I would say that is something that as I look at the generation right now, that they are waiting longer and longer, a lot of them, because they're afraid to make that commitment. They think there might be something better around the corner. They think, is this you know, maybe, maybe this is it, but I don't 100% know. So I'm going to keep looking. Guys, 
that is not the way the Bible works. Like that is not the way Christianity works. If this person checks all the boxes spiritually, faithfully, that they have good character, that their community says, this is a person that is following God. Those are the boxes you absolutely need. The other boxes, it's not wrong that you feel attracted or that you don't. It's that this is secondary to the issues of godliness and commitment to their community, to living a life that is in pursuit of God. What would you add to what you should say yes to in marriage? Well, I'm just thinking more towards the yellow and red flags. Like, what are what are those things to heed? I think about uh, so many of your girls at If Gathering that have started dating a man. There comes a point where each of them say, okay, it's time for us to come sit on your couches <laughs> across from you. There is just an expectation within If Gathering and just kind of our community of people that uh, when a relationship gets to that point, it's usually the guy that we're vetting and he gets to be asked some some tough questions. And so that's our goal. If, if we can uh, help expose areas of weakness or potentially areas of insecurity or sin that uh, need to be addressed, that is the win. So yeah, so when we're talking about uh, red flags, we're talking about yellow flags. I, I, bottom line, if you are a couple right now, uh, you're dating and you don't have a group of wise people in your life uh, to see your relationship, that you're interacting, that they have the ability to have insight and speak into, or that you're seeking uh, their counsel. You are setting yourself up for a life of loneliness, a marriage of isolation. Uh, and as soon as the honeymoon and uh, the attraction starts fading, you will find yourself uh, incredibly lonely. You will start discovering things about your spouse, or you will uh, choose not to continue overlooking those things that you saw uh, prior to marriage, uh, and you will be screaming for help from somebody. I just want to encourage you on that the the front side of engagement, Even engagement. Yes. front side of engagement, pre-engagement, seeking that counsel. And so uh, many of you are part of churches that offer pre-engagement counseling, or you just know a wise couple that's 10, 20, 30 years ahead of you that you just say, hey, we're at a place in our relationship where we see this has potential uh, to go somewhere, to even go towards marriage. We, we want to do everything we can on the front side uh, to be able to to learn about each other and to heed wisdom before taking those forever steps. So we're also going to talk today about decision making in our marriage. And I want to take a few different topics that I think people are curious about. The first topic is, you know, we've talked about this before that we are teammates. And yet I ultimately find my home under the headship of my husband. So what that means is that he really calls the shots when it comes to decisions that we don't agree on. And I wouldn't say that happens 100% of the time. There are times that you're like, you know what? I don't know enough about that and I don't really care. So I'm going to let you make that decision. But on most things that are big and that really affect us, you're, you feel that responsibility, would you say? Yeah, this is this is a, a, a biblical responsibility that I've been uh, given as leader of the home to ensure that my family is cared for, that my wife is nourished and cherished, that we collectively uh, as a family, as a marriage and as a family, maximize 
our impact on life. So yeah, so that's a, a, a weight that, that I bear and, it, and it's a responsibility given to me by God, but it's not something that I feel alone in. It, well, it, it's it, not I, something you lord over me. Well, you don't feel that, right? I don't. Yeah. And I think it's important that people hear that because I, I think if they ever hear about, you know, a man leading a wife or whatever, that kind of language that you just said, I think it scares people to death, especially women that have been abused or in situations where that has been a patriarchal thing where it's heavy handed and you, I mean, just listen to the language my husband just used and it's from Ephesians. He says that he is leading our family so that I feel nourished and cherished, which is exactly how I feel. And so those of you that feel like this isn't used for my good, this is used as a control technique or anything like that, we would say, hey, y'all got to get in counseling or get some wise people around you because that isn't a healthy, that's not the way God meant for this to go. If you want to hear more about how we actually make decisions together, you can go back to the first episode of this because we talked a little bit more in depth about this. But ultimately, I want to bring up the word submission again because it is such a scary word to people, but it has been, I always say it's my favorite word because of how godly my husband is and how he serves and loves us, that it has never felt like he is a dictator. He is a servant. And that's what the scripture says. And I've I've watched those verses lived out and I'm telling you it is God's way. And it is such a peaceful, life-giving way to live. My husband, what he does when we disagree. I mean, to this at this point, we laugh because there's so much trust and there's so much rapport and respect for each other that we literally can just laugh at a moment where we disagree. And he's like, sorry, baby, this is what we're doing. <laughs> and I laugh too, because I've learned there is just confidence when I submit to him because he is responsible and he is a good man and he is going to stand before God one day. And I love that because if it is the wrong decision, then I get to go, hey, you know, he made it. <laughs> and I get to rest in that submission rather than fear being controlled. But that's not who my husband is. He Now, there have been times and years of our lives that that was more where you went, that that it wasn't as healthy and you led more yeah. out of your insecurity. Yeah. 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 Early on, we didn't have that l- level of trust just because we had not made uh, a lot of decisions together. And all of a sudden we find ourselves as, well, we were 21 year olds, kids, all of a sudden with, with major life decisions in front of us. And, and so everything that we were doing, we were doing for the first time. We, it wasn't like we had any experience. And so when everything's new like that, and there's not been a period of 10 years of trust built up, those are harder things. It's, you, we're two sinners redeemed by God, but we're still sinners married to each other. One of the first podcasts we ever did, in fact, the first podcast you and I ever did together, which was only, gosh, we haven't been doing this this long, maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, It's called How to Be a Dream Releasing Spouse. And I would encourage all of you to go listen to that because it really does set a picture of how we relate, what it looks like for him to lead me and to unleash my gifts in the world. And gosh, I mean, I think a lot of men love that episode because I think a lot of husbands aren't trying to be mean. I think they just don't have models and they don't know what it looks like to love their wives in this way. They think it's controlling them and they think that's strong leadership. And it's just, oh, it's just a recipe for complete disaster, which if you look back at Genesis was part of the curse. It says that the woman's desire would be for her husband and that he would lord over her. Like this is part of the curse that we feel these tensions together in marriage. So just know that the enemy, but it is not part of God's 
ultimate plan, the ultimate plan of redemption and what Jesus did to break the curse gives us the freedom to actually coexist in ways that are God honoring and life giving and to live out Ephesians, which says this in Ephesians 5, it's 22. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's what leadership is, guys. Christ gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Guys, this is a picture that we don't understand. I think every spouse looks at one part of that verse, right? They look at the part saying, you don't submit to me. You don't respect me. Or, or the other side, you don't cherish me, you don't nourish me, you don't love me, you don't take care of me. And so because we look at what the other person isn't doing, we never rest into the great picture that God designed in marriage. And I'll say 24 years in, that has happened for us. And it is God's best. And we have rested into it is the language I would use. It is we can laugh at our differences. We can laugh when we disagree because we have found there to be great favor and delight in just honoring each other and honoring God and trusting that that he has our best interest when we live out this way according to him. It's not easy. And for some of you, this might feel completely impossible because you are in a very difficult and abusive situation. And let me say this, we are not not approving of abuse. That is not what either of us are saying. In that type of situation, even if it's really hard or just difficult, get counseling. In the case of abuse, you might need to separate for a little while and you definitely need the help of your church and the wisdom of counselors. So hear me clearly. We are talking about the ideal the scripture is painting, not using those verses to club each other over the head and to sit in very toxic unhealthy situations. Get help. We believe in that. That has helped us. In fact, I would say we were about a three out of 10 on this, the beginning of our marriage and counseling changed everything, which we've told that story as well in the past. Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting Made for This. If there's ever been a year to make dads in your life feel loved and appreciated, it's this Father's Day. I know for me, and I bet all of you, we have not seen our dads nearly enough this year because of COVID. And I just, it breaks my heart. It's one of the things I want more than anything is for him to know how much I love him. And so this is such a meaningful gift. You can send it to your dad and it honors his story. StoryWorth is an online service that helps your dad, uncle, grandfather, father-in-law, really any father figure in your life and anybody else that you wanna hear their story. It helps them share their story through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's a fun way to engage with them, especially if you can't be together in person. Guys, this matters. We need to capture the stories of our parents and the people we love because their lives are significant to us and it's all going so fast. And so this is such a meaningful gift. Give your dad the most meaningful gift this Father's Day with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash made for this and you'll get $10 off your first purchase. 
That's storyworth.com slash made for this for $10 off. Okay, couple last things before we close out the season, Zach. I know everybody is sad for you to go because they love listening to you. Talk just Wait, to- I, I, I don't get to come back? You can come back anytime. He doesn't love doing this, guys, but he's so good at it. So y'all send emails to the email at JennyAllen.com because, you know, he needs a little feedback here. And and leave reviews, say Zach Allen is the best, bring him back. Because <laughs> I like him too, being here. All right, so let's talk about two things. I want to talk about the fact that there are so many choices and there for some people it feels like there are so many little and big decisions to make every day talk about how you've seen people navigate when there's too many choices what you tell them to do to simplify yeah so there's a there is a paralysis of analysis in the western world where we have been given so much we are being marketed to all the time we have more disposable income than any other country in the world, any other uh, country at any point in the history of the world. And so we are being bombarded. We are the target. The consumer is the target of all media and all ads. And so first of all, with that being the case about whether it's how you choose to spend your money, uh, we have to limit we we have to limit our inputs uh, mm-hmm. because our inputs shape our thoughts. So the first thing would be would be limiting your inputs as far as uh, if there's paralysis of analysis. Yeah, I think when we're talking about making decisions and how to narrow decisions. I think we you're going to you've you've heard us do it and we're going to continue to do it. We're going to say bring wise counsel, bring other people into this decision-making process. Uh so many times the people around you, well, always the people around you see you more clearly than you see yourself. They become a mirror to you to see yourself more accurately. Gary Thomas in his book Sacred Marriage called your spouse God's sin mirror to show you your sin. Not necessarily a great picture, but a really accurate picture that that we can't hide from our spouse. Our spouse shows us oftentimes our true self. And so when we're talking about making decisions, we want those people that know us well around us to help us make those decisions, especially when when we're paralyzed and especially when we know that these decisions uh, have significant consequence. And I think uh, decision fatigue has become a little bit of a catchphrase during the pandemic uh, because so many of our our normal processes of making decisions were either put on the shelf or eliminated altogether. Like we didn't have the freedom to make decisions. And I think what was interesting is oftentimes we can't see the idols of our heart until those things that we idolize are actually removed. And then when there's that gaping hole and they're missing, we recognize, oh, that was an idol of my heart. And I think during the pandemic, when we lost our freedom, we lost our freedom to move around. We lost our freedom to go into work, uh, to uh, whatever, get pats on the back. Uh, when those freedoms were lost, uh, I think a lot of us recognized where we were finding our significance, that there was a a gaping hole, which when that happens is an incredible provision, an opportunity for growth, because we get to see our sin in in a fresh way. 
And so I know many of you still are coming out of, yeah, almost like PTSD, just of decision fatigue. Uh, and that's where you just have to, uh, I go back to Lamentations 3 of the mercies of God being new every morning. He is the wellspring of life. He will give you your portion, your daily manna, but you have to seek him. So many of us are running on an empty tank uh, and it's not more sleep uh, and it's not a vacation to the Caribbean. It is finding your rest in God and letting him fill your tank each and every morning that you wake up. That is the remedy to decision fatigue. Next season, you are going to love it. We are going to actually revisit a huge project that I spent years of my life working on, and I would say most of my life living out and learning which is nothing to prove. We are going to look back at that topic and we're going to talk about what that looks like as we re-enter the world and how do we not strive to live up to the standards that other people have set for us. Guys, thanks so much for being part of this season. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.